Bodie, you uh, seemed like you were a little hungry when you uh, showed up here today. You doing okay? Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I had you know enough calories for this podcast. I didn't want to bonk in the middle of it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, uh, can I offer you, uh, would you like some cookies? Uh, actually, I would like some cookies. Yeah, there yeah. you go, man. Okay. Choco creams. Sweet. Mm. Help yourself. Share those. Pass those around. Matt, you? I'd, I'd love a cookie. Yeah. These are uh, courtesy of uh, Phil Guyman. Oh, thanks, Phil. Thanks for those. But in all seriousness, uh, you guys see the, uh, the little Twitter feud happening? We alluded to it on the podcast uh, last mm. episode. The, yeah. Uh, that was two weeks ago. It was breaking news. Breaking news at the time. We broke it here we on the podcast. We broke the news. Yeah, we yeah. broke it. Well, Cycling News posted it, but we, we broke it to the rest <laughs> of the people because no, no one goes to Cycling News. We all know that. No. Um, and yeah, so what happened afterwards was that Fabian challenges uh, Phil, or he challenges him to come race him at, at uh, one of Fabian's uh, Grand Fondos. Well, he does these like events where you have to chase him and try and catch him, right? Right. It's so sort of like a beat Spartacus event. Yeah. yeah. Is there some sort of handicap? Does he like? Do you get to start ahead of him and then like as he goes past, you try to stick on his wheel? Because I can't imagine, and any anyone's going to actually be able to catch him unless you're some undiscovered, you know, neo pro. Well, I mean, I I don't know. It depends, I guess, doesn't it? I mean, it's like what's the terrain? Is oh, it okay. is it a flat course or is it hilly? Is it some on Vontu? Is it yeah exactly? Is it up Vontu? Is it? Do you um, think you guys could catch uh, Consolara at Vontu? I don't think I could. No, Matt, you're <laughs> you're a pretty good climber. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I'm pretty sure I could not. So is this a time trial? Because that you might have a chance. Yeah, you being, are the well being a state champion for <laughs> regional. If I had the rest of my uh, four man team with me, we yeah. might be able to catch him. Yeah. So together. the Im- the import of this thing is basically Cancellara saying, "Hey, man, you're going to call me out in your book for riding a uh, electric bike." in the Tour of Flanders seven years ago, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to prove to you that I wasn't mechanically doping by beating you in a Grand Fondo. Right. The yes. logic The logic of which is no logic unsound. There. Yeah, yeah unsound. totally, totally no. unsound. It's, it's, it's about as sound as, as the motor he was using. Right. Yeah, because Phil Guyman, you know, is basically, it's comparing Phil Guyman to Tom Bonin at that point really isn't it yeah and saying you know i clearly beat tom bonin over that course so you know therefore you being the classics racer that you aren't you know i'm gonna beat you it doesn't it does no kind of apples so if, to apples yeah if phil guyman caught kenzelar does that mean that he used a motor that's that's <laughs> i didn't quite dangerous question yeah <laughs> but anyway phil responded well but the other thing is Cancellara was like, I don't know who you are at all. You know, like, <laughs> I only used to, you know, sit near you occasionally in the pro peloton. Well, I guess probably not that yeah. often, right? Um, they might have done Roubaix together. Not for long. Together. Yeah. <laughs> not for very long. Well, it, a lot of people on Instagram and Twitter uh, jumped to Cancellara's defense and praised him for a quality gauntlet being dropped hmm. on this amateur no-name who's calling him out. And by the way, I'm not 
necessarily coming to to Phil Guyman's defense here, but he didn't exactly call him out. He just basically said there had been a lot of people talking about it, and it sure looked like he was riding pretty fast. I believe the race. quote was, "Yeah, the fucker probably used a motor." <laughs> yes. oh, okay. this, this wasn't like a case that he built with evidence, you know, corroborated right. with evidence, and you know, it's just yeah. That's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, so Bodie, you were going to say, um, a la my offering of cookies to you, that, that Guyman, um, his, he only chimed in, um, are there going to be cookies at the race? Well, we know there's cookies at this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so uh, Phil, come join us here, because we've got cookies. <laughs> All right, let's do this thing. Well, Townsend, good to see you again. It's been a while, uh, Matt. Yeah. Oh crap! Those are those are. I just revealed your real names. Ooh. I'm sorry. I think people have Hang heard on. them before. Let's rewind. <laughs> well, welcome, gents, to episode 30 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. We are now 30 episodes in. Yeah. Kind of hard to believe. Uh, 30 is the new 20. Uh, dirty 30, 30. I don't know. What are the cool things happen when you turn 30? Uh, you finally have to move out of your parents' house. <laughs> true, true. It's a true story. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this is the Bodie Bodie. I'm here with... Uh, hey there, this is the T-Bone. And this is the Cheerio. So, guys, how was your Thanksgiving? It was um, pretty, pretty nothing. Yeah. I didn't do much, really. Um, did, you eat, did you eat turkey? I did not. I did not either. I went to a uh, meat-free uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Well, Matt is English, so that's his excuse. Bodie, what's your excuse for not <laughs> went, eating turkey on Thanksgiving? I went over to my friend's house. They were mostly vegetarian, vegan. Yeah. So there was a uh, there was some sort of loaf. Tofurkey. Uh, it was like nut loaf. It was like a Satan loaf. <laughs> oh my god! It's just, it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, You're going to be I, banned from the country before too long, Bodie. I roasted a bald eagle, and it was delicious. <laughs> Holy like shit. Democracy. <laughs> Did you burn a flag? <laughs> no, no, no. I just cooked, uh, you know, I thought that was, isn't that what you guys do here? Yeah. You eat your national bird? Yeah, it's the same thing as getting, like, a pair of uh, flag underwear, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, there's nothing, no better way to pay tribute than to... Uh, to eat a bald eagle. Well, let me ask you this: to bring it's a little this, gamey to bring this back mm. on topic, did you guys ride your bike over the Thanksgiving break? I did, and you know, this is the Thanksgiving break is a really like a solid time to ride bikes. I've had yeah. a lot of many years um, where it's packed full of rides. Uh, as we all know, I've I've retired, um, which meant that I didn't mean to actually stop riding my bike, but that kind of happened. Um, but I was able to go out on Sunday with mm. Matt. Yeah. And a few other gentlemen. Um, and we rode um, some gravel and uh, dirt trails and mountain bike trails uh, out of the spillway. And it was pretty awesome. Saw yeah. some photos of that. Looked like you guys had a great time. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. Brapsgiving 2017. I think uh, we definitely need to go out there again. We we rode the gravel levee to the lakefront uh, to kind of warm up. And then we came back. And I had always wanted to explore 
the ATV trails um, that are in the spillway between Airline Highway and the Mississippi River, and they did not uh, disappoint. Matt, no, what do you think? there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Some really fun. There's a lot of just like straight up kind of gravel, a lot of really uh, rutted out stuff, a big kind of uh, coxider sand pit. Yeah, which was super fun to ride through. Yeah. Um, there, I, don't, I think the, the biggest one we, none of us could ride through, but there was a couple other tracks that I felt like a little bit like wow, you know, kind of smashing through the sand. I felt pretty Belgian. So this is in the spillway proper. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, and it's interesting. And then there's, there's you know, some other kind of hazards and obstacles like uh, guys shooting at you and uh, yeah, tiny were... aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> I found a clay pigeon. I, I, t I brought it home as a souvenir because it was um, high veg orange. Uh, I thought that was kind of. I don't know, fun. Um, so don't wear your camo kit when you're out there riding the spillway. Yeah, don't wear your camo kit. No. Definitely put your high-vis on. Um, there was some sort of shooting going on. I don't know exactly if it was like target practice or just legit hunting. Um, but we tried to stay away from the gunshot sounds. Yeah. Well, and there's also, I think you guys maybe alluded to this, there is a, a model airplane uh, flying. Yeah. Yeah, situation there. Remote yeah. controlled aircraft. What do you call that? Yeah, radio controlled. Radio controlled. There's some pretty cool aircraft. planes too. Yeah, they? There they were. There. Yeah, we should have stopped. Taking yeah. some photos. Well, yeah. I did no riding at all over the Thanksgiving break. I was out of town with my family and uh, didn't bring my bike, and so I didn't ride at all. Um, the last bike riding I did was the DSGP race, which uh, I guess we're going to talk about later on in mm -hmm. the podcast, but. Uh, you know, things have been going well. That's really all I'm doing now. I know, Bodie, conversely, you are retired from racing and just occasionally riding. It seems that the only time I'm on my bike these days is uh, when I'm out doing a cross race. Uh, hardly hardly been on the road bike much, doing much training during the week at all lately. Well, would you say that some of the training you put in earlier in the year is helping you out? You know, I think so. I don't know, Matt. You, 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 you and I raced together, and I, and, yeah. and and did fairly, and I did fairly well. Kicking my ass at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like my training this season has mostly been about trying to get comfortable riding and racing with my with my new handicap, that is my separated shoulder. Um, but uh, between a uh, friend of the podcast and our coach, one time coach at least, John Mooney, uh, and our teammate and physical therapist will gonzaba those two guys have set me up pretty well this year to to be able to get out and have some fun and do pretty well yeah i feel like i have a good amount of base fitness right now that's keeping me toward the front in some of these races yeah i guess i just wanted to you know push you in that direction because i wanted to give a little shout out to john mooney who had who did coach us and you know i told him that i'd retired and so he stopped sending me plans but i'd since I'm no longer training and racing, and that's not really a part of our podcast as much anymore, I want to just give him a, a final shout out and say thanks to John. Uh, I really enjoyed the training that I did this year, and saw some. I actually saw a bunch of numbers I hadn't seen before, so that was that was encouraging. Um, so yeah, just thanks for that, John. Yeah, and uh, good luck with your move to Little Rock. Uh, oh, hope to see you in Lambra still. Um, haven't heard if that's going to change things or not. Well, that's a good biking area right there. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, guys, let's let's start talking about uh, some bike racing and do what we do here on the podcast. What do you say? Sure. I think we should do it. Bodie, I know you always like to kind of kick us off uh, with uh, some of the domestic stuff. You seem to be the resident expert on all things USCX. Um, I'm the super domestic. Super domestic. Nice. I like that. So uh, what did we have in the, you know, uh, I didn't get to see any of these races, uh, Bodie. I don't know. Uh, well, so we, we didn't talk last week. Is that correct? We didn't talk about two weeks there, ago. last weekend. There was three UCI races in the States. Um, and I, I, I won't really go too much into them, but you had Supercross, which was in the East Coast. You had Major Taylor, which was in, that's Ohio, I believe. Uh, I thought it was Chicago. Oh, Indiana. Indiana, yes, yeah. Indiana. Um, and then you had CXLA, CXLA which CXLA. was actually in Moreno Valley, which is not in LA, but close enough that it's actually still called CXLA. Now, was uh, Rito Casey there for that? I believe our good friend Rito Casey was out in CXLA. Mm. Um, it, I saw some video from that course, and in typical Southern California fashion, it was like super dry, dusty. Uh, so that meant really squirrely in the corners. Yeah. Um, and I think it almost went, it, I don't know why I saw photos. Like it was like pretty much dark when they were racing. Uh, I think Tobin Orbenblad won maybe both days. Okay. Um, but that's, that's pretty cool. That's a weekend where we had three races and they weren't really overlapping regions. So you had a little bit of Midwest, you had the East coast and then you had, you know, the West coast. So a lot of opportunities to race. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need to talk any more about that. Um, was there anything in Europe that happened last week that we missed that we should have talked about? That we missed? Oh, well, hang on a second. Let's let's stick to we're gonna stick to the states first, right? Sure. So 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 we'll, now we'll come up to this weekend. Yep. Uh, what happened this weekend? In the states? <laughs> no, I don't know. Did anything happen? <laughs> I don't know. Sure, there was probably something, but. Uh... Oh man. Yeah. Okay. No, I realized. No, I guess there's no UCI races in um, the United States during Thanksgiving weekend. It's it's usually local stuff. Your turkey crosses, your gobble crosses, it's right. your regional um, areas. But I don't think anything big happened that that is worth uh, mentioning. Mm. Is that it for? Somebody should do a race called the Cobble Gobble, uh, a cobble race uh, for turkey. Uh, Thanksgiving, no, the cobble gobbler. Yeah. What about like the 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 gravy boat cross race? I don't know. I, I feel like cobble I, gobble sounds a bit. That would better. be a yeah. great. That would be a great boat race. <laughs> <laughs> I feel not like sure why the that cobble would be a... <laughs> gobbler sounds like a classics race, not necessarily. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying it doesn't have to be. Well, it could be. I mean, could be like I that one Matt cross is, race. I'm just saying it should be a race. Suggesting a fall classic. Yeah. Well, 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 didn't we have a name for the race that we were going to do out of the spillway? We, we threw around this to kind of go back this weekend. We threw around the idea of maybe doing some sort of dirt crit out there. Yeah. Or a cyclocross circuit race. Yeah. Um, cyclocross usually is a circuit. Well, a circuit race is longer than... A, oh, I see. The definition of a circuit race, it's, it's like 3K to... 10k gotcha that makes sense that would be good so i think and also a circuit race wouldn't you wouldn't have to have barriers really or 
And it would probably be a bit more open than uh, yeah. than, than a typical cross course that has You're a lot of tighter corners. probably going to go a little faster. Um, anyway, so I think, yep. yeah, Cobble Gobbler could work good for a uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Except there's no cobbles there. No, that's true. Yeah. So, well, an idea was terrible, Matt. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't saying that race would be called that. Okay, I know. All right. Anyway, I'm just trying to blame we'll, it on you. We'll get back to you guys. We'll have it figured out by next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, let us know, anybody. Like, that sounds kind of fun, right? Dirt. Like, there's, we've, Alabama's had a dirt crit. Mm-hmm. I mean, but let's, let's think about this. Circuit, I think this would be off-road a, circuit race. Yeah, if there was a way to loop together, you know, a, a nice four-mile, five-mile totally dirt doable. loop out there. Townsend, we could do the Harbormaster weekend uh, on Saturday. You'd ride your cross bike at the spillway. And then on Sunday, you bring your road bike. That sounds like and a hell of a lot of work. Gravel and concrete omnium. Sounds like a lot of work. And the That's cro- a, a, the, grom- a gromnium. Gromnium. The uh, crossover between the, two, between the two crowds, I think, would be limited. <laughs> also, in the summer, it's not the best time to ride out no, there off-road. I, I think, that, I think the, that this weekend that we just did, I think, would be a perfect time for that. That's true. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, it's on for next year. Let's, yeah. let's Thanksgiving gravel omnium. All let's, right. Let's put a pin in that, and let's we'll get back to it. Yeah. Ooh, gravel time trial. Mm. Well, we've talked about this. Well, that. Yep. Okay. okay. <laughs> <We can> All right. <laughs> but let's uh, let's let's head over the uh, the Great Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Um, to our favorite fall hangout, Europe. Let's do it. Should we start in uh, Denmark? I think we need to start in Denmark. That was last weekend. We haven't gotten together to record since the World Cup number four in Bogans, Denmark. How it's pronounced? Wait, hang on. How do you think it's pronounced, Bodie? Bogense. All right. Bogese. Well, let's get it from the expert. Bonze. Bonze. All right. All right. So. All right. So the uh, World Cup number four. Thank you. Thank you, Bjorn. Uh, World Cup number four in Poenza. Yep. In Bologna. Denmark. Yeah. Beautiful uh, looking town, huh? Yeah. I uh, right there, right there on the water. Um, crazy. So one side of the course was basically the sea and a seawall, which they rode along. And the interior of the course was sort of the harbor, the protected yeah. harbor in town. Um, and that, you know, because it started along the quay there, right? That's so right. it had a long uh, paved start-finish straight. Right. Then they, then they hung that, that sharp right over the bridge. Which they built just for the race. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, no because how would the boats get in and out otherwise? They, they put a bridge there. Okay. Just for that race. Well, I figured that the, the that the the bridge was arched and the boats just went underneath it. But nope. Yeah. I learned something on this podcast. Thanks for that, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Here I was thinking it was some sort of quaint 17th century footbridge that no. they were going over. That was brand spanking new. Okay. Yeah. And so the, yeah, so then they're on, uh, and then there was a a massive and massively steep levee that came into play in right. between the sea and the and the town yep. that they basically rode up and down as many different ways as you could possibly <laughs> figure to ride up and down a levee. Well, they they mostly didn't they ride. They mostly ran. Yeah. 
uh, hiked. I think you might foraged up yeah, the was, side. There was a, some pretty amazing photos. Um, uh, Jeff Curtis took a really awesome black and white photo where you see silhouette of these people hiking up this hill with their bikes, you know, shouldering their bikes. And yeah, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah. that that levee was extremely steep, mm. uh, and they they came at it. Uh, at at some very very acute angles, yeah. Um, that that made it difficult. It, it, it honestly, most people would probably have some amount of difficulty walking up that levee without a bicycle on yes. their shoulder. Yeah. Um, and then there were a few daring individuals who um, either attempted or or um, failed at trying to ride up or in some cases down that levee yeah there was some there was some kind of interesting uh it definitely opened up some interesting moments where uh there were two lines down this one uh basically kind of like a 90 degree which went you know the middle of the turn is basically in the the hill itself so that's right so there would be people on the inside would be would be shouldering or pushing their bike or you know pushing their bikes down and then people would ride around an outside line which was pretty tricky and it a was. lot of people came came a cropper and then of course they would be meeting people who were running their bikes at the bottom and there were more than a few um uh, entanglements that happened there weren't there absolutely yeah uh the the uh seawall uh it was sort of a rocky seawall and uh grassy path next to it that was i guess you would kind of maybe call that the back straight uh and and you could see that the wind was just blowing hard off the water and blowing sea spray up onto the course and in several cases breaking waves were, were yeah. literally splashing onto that part of the course a couple riders you saw got hit just with like buckets of water coming cold seawater sea. yeah. yeah yeah that's gotta be nice yeah uh, how's that for the bike uh yeah yeah, yeah i'm sure that was a fun race for the mechanics yeah we want to talk about some results here well sure just to finish out oh. though the, on the course um that course is the home to 2019 worlds is yes, that right that's right so uh so next year the one after yeah wait next season yeah the end of okay, next, so next year. Yeah. Okay, so next year is twenty. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So be interesting. I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty epic stuff. Really was. And 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 again, as we described, use the start shoot sort of through this down down the the street of this very quaint Danish fishing village. Uh, and did you see that they had a they had one of those um, camera tracks set up on the on the front start shoot? Yeah, with the, that was really cool. The the rail cam. Yeah. that would like follow them down the start finish straight that, that that was really interesting so that's pretty cool yeah yeah so results um bodie you want to you got them up i i do i i was i do when women's race third place oh well, i don't have the women's up i have the oh, men up well, I can tell so them. can we start with the women's I yeah i remember the podium okay women's place third for america katie keogh yep second amazing ride yep second for great britain Helen Wyman, and first, Santa Cant. And it was pretty close there between the two of them at the front there for a while. That's true. Yeah, Sana and Helen. Helen's really kind of coming back into form this season. She's yep, she's just, 
really gotten strong this last, I guess, month or so. And she really loves the mud. She does. I think she definitely is one of those uh, cross racers who uh, does well in the cold and miserable conditions. And I she, mean, she's British, so she probably... Yeah. Well, I, I, I will say this. I think... I think the one mistake I saw her made was... Um, it's like about on the third lap, she went to the front. And it's like, why would you do work on the front for Santa Cat? That made no sense at, at all to me. It's like, why, you you know, you guys have got the gap. Why don't you just sit on her wheel? Because you know that she's going to be the stronger bike rider. Yeah. And I think Helen is arguably, under those conditions there, was the better runner. She was definitely faster down that one tricky uh, descent that we were mentioning before, hmm. where she was shouldering it and Santa was pushing the bike. She was she was definitely quicker. It does seem that Sana will try to stay on the bike as long as she can. Yep. Um, and she'll be in those sloggy, like either muddy or sandy sections, trying to ride as long as she can. Um, or others will will have you given it up and, and start to run. That's something I've noticed about her. Yeah, but eventually on the last lap, uh, Sana pulled away, didn't she? And uh, you know, got the win. But uh, great race. Really good stuff. We had a bunch of uh, American women who yeah. who were there. Um, so we had Kaylin Keough, amazing ride to third. She's killing it this season. Second overall at this point, we, we, I think, in the, in the World, World Cups. Cups. Yeah, yeah, Ellie Anderson at 12th, kind of, kind of slotting in where she would slot in in a World Cup. So a good ride for her. Rebecca Ferringer, I know, who's sort of really um, wanting to do well this year in Europe. And I think we'll mm-hmm. see... Uh, the next World Cup, she got 17th and Bolognese. Um, Boenza. Boenza. <laughs> and Courtney Fadden in 26th. Uh, Crystal Anthony in 35th. And I think Arlie Kemmerer did not have a race to write home about in 49th. No. Uh, Katie Compton was not there. Was not there. No, she skipped it. She was not feeling great, and she made the choice to skip that race. Well, that probably was a good idea, as we'll we'll get to for the next one. But let's yeah. go to the men's race. Yep. Um, I didn't watch it, so I don't have any analysts or hot takes, but I just I look at the results. There was a shocking result, uh, a real upset. Well, you look at... Wait, wait, was... He um, finished only eight seconds in front of uh, Wout. That's because he sat up to high five everybody okay. down the finish straight. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, he was he was well and away by you know by the second lap. We uh, are of course talking about Matthew Vanderpool. That's right. And then we have Woot in second, which yep. is where he goes, and Tunart, um in third. And that was been- a sprint finish. Between Tune and Woot. Yeah. I mean, it, did, it didn't come down to a bike throw or anything like that. I mean, right. Woot, but they were uh, together. Woot had him, but they were yeah. together coming around that final turn, and uh, Woot just, you know. But Tune, once again, being a real um, move maker in the race. He was the first, he was the guy who actually went with with Matthew Vanderpol when he went. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, it, he probably burnt a, burnt a couple of matches that he could have saved for later. But, sure. But he's, uh, he's shown himself to be really strong this year. I mean, you, I guess you got to try it. Like you got to try new things, and yeah. maybe, maybe one, maybe you one never time, know. yeah, maybe one time you actually stick on that wheel and uh, you go with them to the line. Yeah. So American men, not, not too good. Uh, there's only three of them. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Hyde in thirty first, 
Uh, Jeremy Duran in 40th. So Stephen Hyde, before we go, Stephen Hyde broke his chain on the start, on the That's start right. straight. Ran to the pit. Had to run, run to the pit, which fortunately wasn't very far, but he was dead last by a good distance. Yeah. Uh, and managed to, to claw himself back up to 31st. So, okay. Pretty, so that pretty impressive. Pr- provides a little context. Um, so what 107 is where he finished. Um, what is that? I'm just curious how far behind. Five minutes before, you know, just under five minutes. Um, and then our... We are our fan club on uh, Andrew Giuliano finished fifty uh, second. Yep, he was pulled. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he commented that it wasn't uh, wasn't his uh, his best day ever. But uh, super tough course, super tough race. I think he referred to one of the uh, moves that he made in that race as uh, donkey brainness <laughs> on his Instagram. Yeah, a photograph that showed him as he said moments before some donkey brainness well he didn't get last because he uh there's the he was 52nd out of 61 so that's a pretty solid uh field and yeah and ironically you know mvdp won the race dvdp dnf the race his brother yeah david uh amazingly enough the only starter out of 60 some odd starters that didn't finish that race yeah. to me that's fairly amazing given the general attrition in a cyclocross race and then given that race course yeah that only one person yeah that is super didn't surprising. finish it yeah yeah very surprising i mean i'm surprised that not more than one person didn't give up on that course well and, and that was him pull the ripcord right that, he he, ba- he basically just he cried baby he was just like got stuck in another tangle and was like, "Screw this! I'm I'm gonna go get a shower." Yeah, you know, yeah. Can't say I don't blame him. Yeah, uh, yeah. So great. I I thought it was a great race. I thought initially I was like, "Oh, this course doesn't look very interesting at all." But then it was a really. Uh, I thought it was a really great race. Yeah, very what? very technical in parts. Uh, good mix of uh, on the bike, off the bike. Yeah. Um, good mix of should you run it should you ride it decisions and in fact the one corner you were talking about matt i mean people were making different decisions lap to lap depending on how much traffic there was and what was going on around them i mean that that one that one right hander to the downhill i mean people were just doing doing it different lap to lap each time that was very very cool to see that uh, and uh, and then there was that one crazy run up uh, ride up yeah. that uh, well that it was a run up for everyone except for MVDP yeah uh, and and he ran it up most of the race but he had that video Instagram video of of the one time that at least one time I'm not sure if he did it more than once I think there was there was one time the one the time so basically like as the race went on he got further and further up up the the run up on his bike. And he was getting further than anybody else anyway. And then one time he made it all the way. Yeah, what the time before he actually like dabbed a foot down just near the top. And then the fi- you know, that final time he just made it all the way up. And there was great, a great Instagram video of that with the crowd going wild as he yeah. makes it up to the top. And that was really it looked at first like, oh, there's not really much of a crowd here. But the crowd was all over that area by the levee there where all the action was gonna be. That's where they were all hanging out. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Well done, Denmark. Absolutely. 
Should so, we move on to this weekend's World Cup race? Yeah. Yep. Uh, which was in, only six days apart. Those two. Yeah. Yeah. Zevin in Germany. In Germany, yep. which they raced last year. Yes. And totally different course because last year was dry, and this year was wet and muddy. Yeah. And I mean a real mudda, right? Is that mudda? Mudda. Mudda. Mudda fucker. Mudda. Yeah, this one I would say less so than uh, Gavere, but... Well, yeah, I don't think we've had any as muddy as yeah, Gavere. It, it, but, but still, you know, most of it was rideable, but there were certainly some, some longish sections that... that um, I mean, there was some chilly-looking mud out there that, like, it was just like a stew. Yeah. I mean, they were able to ride through it, but, I mean, it was just, it was muck. Yeah, wet, yeah. wet mud with with puddles yeah 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 um, good stuff and yeah. uh yeah another uh another great day of racing great women's race once again oh the women's race was was pretty incredible yeah fast uh, excuse me uh, competitive close and um and and two americans um off the front uh for for a lot of the day right or am I, am no, I, you're thinking no, of you're, you're thinking of the next day, Hama. Yeah, uh, sorry. So we'll just go through the results here. We have Sonic Conten first, Helen Wyman in second, which we saw the week before. Yeah, and, and American in third. American so same, third, same race. Except <laughs> uh, we swapped uh, the youngster, Caitlin Keogh, out for the veteran, uh, Katie Compton. Yeah. So Katie Compton skipped uh, Bagunza Baloney because she wasn't feeling well. Probably a decision because she got third uh, at Zevin. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a really good race to watch. Uh, I, I do have some notes, Bodie's hot takes. Um, let's see if I can summarize these. Um, I think that uh, Wyman and Kant were together most of the race, yep. uh, kind of until the end. And and this speaks to what we just spoke about in the Bagenzo, is I think that Kant was a better runner that day. I felt that she could get through the running things faster. There was that we there was this downhill thing that everybody was running, and they were doing this like little hop mm. and a skip to come down. And I just I felt like Sonic Kant could just get down it faster than Wyman. Here's my take on it. There, right. it's, I think it was nothing to do with the running. I okay. think there was what that one descent that everybody rode down. Helen Wyman took the left line and dropped about four seconds every lap doing it. And on okay. the final lap, she actually took the right line. That was the only time she took the right line. And Kant was gapping her every time after that after that descent. And I think she just was taking the wrong line every time on that one descent. It was also a pretty long race. Uh, yeah. Kant came across at 51.30. Uh, UCI races for women are between 40, but no longer than 50. Um, so I thought maybe some of that endurance Helped Kant, maybe. She's just a little bit stronger overall. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it did seem like uh, Helen faded for a bit, but then she kind of came back. Yeah. Um, but Helen also had a pretty good tweet. I, yeah, I was just looking at that, see, too. Are you, what's I've the, got it here. Okay, what's, yeah, what's the tweet? Uh, she said, Today we raced for 15, 51 minutes in the World Cup. Nobody died, and as far as I'm aware, nobody's uterus fell out. <laughs> so, shall we make women's cross 50 minutes from now on in? <laughs> That's pretty badass. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, I, it was a great, it was an awesome race. Uh, all 51 minutes were very enjoyable. Um, yeah. And the yeah. women's race are usually the better races to watch. So, yeah. 
and that's... some and some women out there were probably coming in close to an hour, right, or maybe even over an hour. I was because they were doing about ten minute laps. Yeah. So if you were just about at the end, yeah, you look at last place, fifty um, one place. I'm sorry. Uh, last person to finish the lead lap was a, an hour and one minutes. Yeah. So yeah. So women can race for an hour. They can. Yeah. The other thing that would be nice about that is there would be less downtime between the women's race, the end of the women's race, and the start of the men's race. Mm, I don't know if that would be the case. I they, think you'd still they, have that gap in between. Yeah. Which, well, there would still have the gap in between, but it, but no, the the women's races start at at least local time. Start at six thirty local time. And then the men's races start at 8 a.m. local time, always. So the men's race always starts an hour and a half after the women's race. But when the women's race ends after 40 minutes, That's true. then you have, it's still... you, know, you have 50 minutes uh, bet- before the start of the men's race. Whereas the women raced for another 20 minutes, there would be that much less time before the start of the men's race. Mm. I'm not sure how the concession stands would feel about that. But, uh, <laughs> well, I could tell you how I would feel about that sitting around in my pajamas, looking at my laptop at six o'clock in the morning, wondering what I was going to do for the next 50 minutes until the next race started. Uh, well, I don't, I wish I had something funny to say right there. Yeah. That would be a good uh, segue. But I was thinking of you sending around in your pajamas out there in the mud. That would have been pretty good. Or like showing up at the liquor store down the street to buy some beer and frites. Yeah. In my pajamas. That would be excellent. Can you guys start the fryer up? Uh, Cypress is on. Uh, I would like to eat some frites. So, uh, yeah. So, Sonicant wins. Yeah. And uh, she is running away with the title yeah three wins and been on the podium every race in the world cup she's pretty much like the badass yeah i mean who her their team her and her and matthew are actually are on the same team i mean i don't know if we ever i mean you you probably know that but they don't ever wear their their trade kits anymore now i mean she's got world champion he's got euro champion or world cup leader or Um, dutch champion yeah. yeah. So I, I made a little note. I called it a retro race because the podium was Kant, Compton, and Wyman. And that seems like that could have been a podium for retro three to four years Kant, ago. Kant, Wyman, Compton. Sorry, just to get that in the correct oh, order for you there. <laughs> did I put the American? Yeah, did you put the American first? Weird. That, I, was, I was going, you know, top uh, this way, that way. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, I just... You know, Compton won the World Cup, I don't know, it was 2012-2013. Wyman also has had a longer career, too. So it was just uh, a little bit like retro, a little bit throwback. Some of the youngsters weren't there. Um, some of the, you know, someone like Maude Capitans, who's been hot earlier this year. We haven't. She's, yeah, she's not had, um, I think she's been ill. She's okay. not had. I, I was wondering about her because we had another Belgian, mm. I believe it, or maybe not. I'm thinking of low cells. No, she didn't. Okay, she got ninth. But she, uh, uh, Ellen Noble, had a really good start. But then, unfortunately, she was and she was bunny hopping the barrier. She was like top five in the first lap, um, and I was. I think the whole internet was jumping for joy. And then she like dropped her chain, mm. and then so did so. I, I brought up low cells because she did the same thing in the same spot. So it looked like you go around a turn and then you go uphill. So everybody's shifting up their cassette mm. and. Uh, chains are coming off. Is this foreshadowing? Possibly. Is it the same spot? To the men's race. Yeah. Yes. 
Actually, it is. Yeah, total right. foreshadow, unintentional. Um, but I'm not going to segue yet because I feel like we have a few more things to talk about in the women's race. Do you we? Got, you got you got more. Do more, I got more, more heat takes? coming? More right. heat coming from over there, buddy. Uh, oh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Rebecca Farringer who had a much better race. Yeah. Um, she got seventh place, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's pretty funny on Twitter. Um, pretty self-effacing. Uh, you know, talks a lot about how would it, she only makes the UCI feed when she crashes, but she did crash in that race. But she also rode really well. Um, so kudos to her. Yeah. Where was Nikki Bramier? Was she like fifth? Sixth? I'm oh, sorry. Rebecca Marriage got 12th. I thought mm. she got... Bramier got eighth. Eighth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sophie DeBoer, fifth. Yeah. Kind of on the upswing. I think she felt pretty good about that result. Yes. Um, so good to see her there. Jolene Vershuen, Vershuen, who we haven't seen... I don't feel like she's been at the front of her races a lot this year. No kind of kind of coming back a little bit too so who and also for some reason her helmet's always crooked interesting i don't know what like her uh you've got um what's the god on katusha used to be on katusha the sprinter norwegian guy oh uh christoph 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 helmet always crooked um there's a few riders who helmets are just always crooked maybe they're funny shaped heads that's probably it yeah um, all right. Well, I think that's it for the uh, Bodie's hot takes in the women's race. All right. Go to the men's race. Yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, a little bit of a mix-up yeah, in so, the standings. So coming into that race, MVDP was undefeated in the World Cup. Four, yeah. four out of four. Uh, so this was race five. And uh, what happened? So well, he drops his chain in the spot that, that Bodie's talking about. Yeah. Uh, right there. Uh, little right hander to a steep uphill and kicked his kicked his chain off as he was as he was shifting off um that was a rideable a rideable hill yeah yeah everybody was riding that one took a good while to get his chain back on and that was the second lap that happened yeah yep. second lap everybody he was, off, was he was on the front at that point and well, he, he, was, he was he was amongst the front yeah runners. he I don't was, know that he was at, yeah. on the front but he yeah. was he was at near the front he was in the top you know three or four his woot was right there and i think tune and but he dropped down to what 12th place something like that Uh, and he was he was way back not just you know sort of you know i want to say even maybe farther than that yeah maybe a distant distant 12th uh maybe maybe more i mean at at one point i think he was and and this is not to disparage stephen hyde but he was he was back uh riding with stephen hyde for for a, a half a minute um but and and it looked like you know for a minute it kind of just looked like he had sort of give up uh, on his on his face, but that didn't last long at all. I th- guess that was just I'm pissed. I just dropped my chain face, not give up face. He was pretty calm while he was putting it back on. Though. He He's, was really calm. Was. I noticed that he wasn't freaking out. I think just a little sign of maturity maybe for Matthew. But what can you do, right? You freak out. You nothing. You just kind of have to right. take a breath and uh just got to get on with it get on with it and he get on with it he did he did and there was talk on twitter like okay podium maybe second i put it out there i called that he was gonna win i i, I thought that he could have um that he if anybody could come back from that and win it yes. would be him oh well, yeah i think he got back to i think 29 seconds with four laps to go yeah uh, he was in second place 
Um, but then that was as close as he got. And he Is just, that as close? I thought he got a little bit closer than that, maybe. That's you know, because three laps ago he went to thirty nine. Okay. So yeah, that was uh, that's when he moved into second when he came across the line in second there. So, but Wout gets a win. Um, you know, yeah. it's always you know anybody but Matthew, right? So it's good to see Wout get a win, world champ stripes. It's and it's, he rode a good race. He, he rode did. a very good race. I Solid. Mean, he he got. He got the big gap when when he saw because you could uh, you could uh, the the way that course was set up as you went up that hill you immediately 180 and came right back down it yeah you could see where and everybody you was could see so Wout could see as he came down the hill that Vanderpoel was um, was off the bike putting his chain back on so he knew that was time to go that it was time to go and yeah. and go he did and he took full advantage of it um, just dropped everybody in that race and um and then it, it just became uh, that it was a fun race to watch in the sense that it was never competitive as to who was going to win but it was very competitive uh or interesting to watch Vanderpool work his way back up through the field uh, he sat with that sort of chase group for a little while but not for too long at one point you could see he just decided okay it's go time maybe he may have waited a little bit too long to go he may have ridden for a little bit too long with with the that chase group kind of sat on on their wheels i don't know if he needed to recover after working his way all the way back up through the field or what but if he'd gone a little bit earlier he might have had a chance Bodie, to to get back up to back up to wout because he was gaining on wout for a while there's no doubt about it right uh but 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 once once he saw i think that it wasn't going to happen um and and he had second place fairly well locked up. Yeah, uh, he kind of he kind of sat up and just uh, accepted accepted his fate as as being in second. Well, he almost got himself in trouble because Tune Arts uh, made contact with him right toward um, the end. Right towards the end. Yeah, and then you know looked like we almost had a sprint, but of course once. They got to the pavement, and uh, Matthew put the uh, gas to the pedals. Yeah, there was nothing that uh, 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 Tune had, so he easily got second. But once again, Tune Arts comes in third. Uh, he's pretty much, I think, this year is best of the rest. I think that title would had used to gone for to Kevin. Uh, then yeah. earlier this year, I thought we, we might have thought it was Lars, uh, but I think really, I think Tune Arts is the best of the rest uh, right now. Yeah. And Lars has not been having a good time in these muddy races, has he? He has no, not, he no. Eleventh uh, place. Is it his short legs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I, I, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Helen Wyman's got long legs, just saying. She know. does. Yeah. yeah. So. so So speaking of well, speaking of mechanicals and crashes, mm. uh, we want to you know look at the men, the American men. Uh my my thing. You mean the I've, American man? There's two of them. Oh, was there? Yeah. Oh, Durin was there? Yeah. All right. So the sort of the uh the lesson I've learned that if there is going to be a crash uh in the first lap of World Cup, an American is gonna be in that crash. Or and two. Yeah. More or, than likely Stephen Hyde's gonna be one of those Americans. Yeah, and also <laughs> Jeremy Dern. Uh unfortunately, a Belgian guy kind of went wide, hit the fence, and then came back in across the field and took mm. out Stephen Hyde and a bunch of other riders. Um, and then Stephen Hyde kind of crashed again. 
So he did he not, had multiple crashes. Yeah, he has not had a, a good European campaign so far. Nope. Um, but hey, Stephen, we still we still love you. We still we're we still believing in you, and uh, your luck will sort of uh, line up soon. I hope because. Speaking of crashes, how about uh, how about Boros uh, taking that <laughs> gigantic thick tree stump post yeah. out with his knee? Yeah, after mm. after on Vanderpool, the downhill, yeah. after Vanderpool crash or yeah. mechanical, the camera's there watching him in a wide shot, and you see Boros come down the incline, smack that post, and kind of knock it into Vanderpool, and then he careens across the the track. And crashes into the snow fencing. Yeah. He finished that race, and he finished top 15. I mean, he finished pretty high up. I yeah. cannot imagine. I mean, assuming, I guess it was probably muddy, so maybe the maybe the dirt yeah. was kind of loose. Wasn't but, I mean, that, yeah. was a, that was a small tree stump. I mean, you know, two and a half inches in, in well, diameter. Well, they use those wooden, those wooden posts in uh, Europe. Yeah, and presumably that thing is pounded down into the ground a little ways, and he took it out, knocked it completely over with the inside of his left knee. Mm, ouch. That had to have hurt. Yeah. Um, and I have a quick note here in the agenda. Speaking of knees, on the last episode, I, I mentioned that I thought I saw blood on MVDP's knee finishing up the Gewehr cross race. Indeed, he did cut his knee wide open when he crashed and he had stitches yep. i read read an article about that yeah uh, after we after we closed the uh recording for the last podcast so well, he was doing all of these races this weekend with a fresh wound in his knee that's why he had a mechanical <laughs> i had a few other notes about that race um wow it was hopping the barriers even at the front yep looking yep. good looking decent no. at mm-hmm. it yeah, yeah okay. I mean, well, I just thought it was interesting that even though he was the front had a big gap, he was still hopping the barriers, probably trying to get himself to be comfortable with being in sort of a little bit of pressure and, and still hopping the barriers as opposed to taking maybe the more safer route of running them. Um, also, MVDP seems to have different bikes for different races, it looks like. He was on a, the red yeah. and white Stevens, which I think is the World Cup. Well, that's Cup. the World Cup that's his World Cup. That's his yeah. World Cup bike. To match his World Cup uh, kit. kit. And he's been rocking the full white kit in he the has, mud, too. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw his hang down. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, his mum's got to be uh, <laughs> having to do a lot of laundry. <laughs> Wait, why do you think it's his mom? Because they, they all like trap. It's, it, I, I bet it is. I bet you $5 it's his mom that washes his kit for him. Yeah, probably. It's not going to be his dad. I mean, I assume that he has, like, freaking handlers who, like, take, or his, his soignets who take his kit to the yeah. uh, car wash and spray it out. But That's his mom and his dad <laughs> and his Uncle Jeff. I guess it is and, a family affair in Europe, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Or at least the Belgians. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got the one World Cup bike, but he was he was on the the blue and red Stevens quite a bit in that world cup race because he was pitting so often and swapping bikes back and forth. And man, I tell you, it had to just, just flummox both the mechanic mechanics and the riders as well. Immediately at the pit exit, there was a gigantic mud puddle. So these guys, they would come in, they would swap (laughs) bikes to these perfectly clean bikes. And then immediately on the pit exit, just get the bike completely doused in mud. I mean, before they even rejoin the course. Yeah. Yeah. Real shame. 
It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be frantic for mechanics in races like that where they're pitting. You know, like it's every only like half lap. Every half la- half lap. Well, I guess be... you have two bikes, possibly three, and, and hopefully got... there's enough pressure washers there for yeah. everybody. You know, it's probably why there was a giant mud puddle at the pit exit. It's yeah, runoff all the runoff the, yeah. for the pressure washer. All right. So anyway, should we move on? Yeah. We can move on. So I guess we'll just we'll go across the globe. Um, also, Wait. before we. Oh. Right. We're gonna go across and we're gonna come back. Oh goodness! Just because uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, we're gonna leave Belgium, go to Japan, and then come back Japan. to Germany. Yeah. We're Excuse me. Germany. Leave Germany. Go to Japan. We're gonna go to Japan for Nobuyama CX, which was also this weekend. Uh, um, otherwise known as Rafa Supercross. Rafa Supercross looks like a pretty cool venue. I believe. I I think that was Mount Fuji. Maybe not, or it's nearby. But the course looked out onto this beautiful mountain range covered in snow uh super fun looking track it went through some go-kart stuff a little bit of wooded section Mm. some like tractor pulled mud dirt area that looked brutal you had the whole squid team who went over uh bill cx Harris is there shooting video i think tim johnson was there i heard i heard he raced a master's race can't wait to see that video footage um my only like little note was that uh sammy runnels who we talked about from texas she won on day one yeah congrats to her another two-day event yeah, two-day event. So that's her. I guess her third UCI win this weekend. Yeah, I believe so. Um, so they did a podium bike. Oh. And they put her bike up there, her squid bike, which they're cool bikes. But I think this is the first time I've seen a podium bike at a UCI race. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I like, object. I object. Sorry, squid. Like your bikes. Yes, yeah. Like your vibe. Cool Agreed. stuff. Agreed. Not too into the podium bike. And then the other interesting thing was because this was Rafa Supercross, the winner's jersey was a Rafa jersey that's the same jersey that the Rafa Focus team wears. Yeah, that's weird too, isn't it? It's like, what if one of the Rafa team, what if like (laughs) J-Pow had gone to that race, for instance? And he won. Or if he'd finished second to somebody else and they'd both be wearing the same jersey on the podium yet he but they're not on the same team yeah they, they need to design a special jersey for the you know supercross jersey epic fail they used to have a supercross jersey rafa it's, did that they, they sold on their a, website yeah they did it's and it was weird. different from their race jersey yeah it's weird though i think this is an intentional thing that rafa did because uh, our friend our local uh racer photographer jacob boynton has that jersey so you can buy the yeah. current team jersey, right? Yeah. Sure, you can buy. It's a replica jersey, right? I mean, well, but I, I mean, it's a re- yeah, but I think it's like it's not some like knockoff. It's like legit. Raf is like selling you the current team jersey, right? I mean, like when they were sponsoring Sky, you could wear, you could buy the yeah. Sky yeah, team. Yeah, be issue like jersey. the winner of be like the winner of a Rafa road race being awarded a Team Sky jersey, even if you were not on Team Sky. Right, even yeah. though they don't sort of odd, but yeah, a little foreshadowing. Team mm. Sky jersey. Yes. Anyway, all right. So let's go. Let's go back to Europe. Back yeah. to Europe. Back, uh, back Sunday, to Belgium. Yeah, uh, Flandrian crossed. Wait, G- wait, hang wait, on. hang on. All right, Matt's you, gonna give us a full Matt, name. You gotta give Matt, us the full Dave name. Dave Ave Flandrian cross Hammer GP Greg Van Avermaet. There you go. Yeah. All right. So Dave Ave is a series. Yeah. Yes. Flandrian cross is the name of the race. Yeah. Hama is where it's at. Yep. And uh, it's dedicated to the great cyclocross <laughs> racer, Greg Van Avermaet. <laughs> the great, the late great GVA. Uh, yeah. Who was there? 
Um, okay, at least he was there. Chattano- oh no, yeah, he's he's there. So I guess it's his hometown. So he's the biggest star of that town. He's also the biggest star of pro cycling this year, I guess. Really. Yeah, and I would have to say that for my money, that Flandrian Cross cyclocross course may have been the course of the year for me so far. Mm, I, don't know about I did not watch this race, so I unfortunately don't remember like what it like, i think it's is it, it can you tell me a signature element because then i'll maybe i'll remember so what... the signature element i would say the signature element is this is this sort of swoopy kind of forested bowl yeah near the finish near the finish um and, oh yeah and, and they have all of these sort and of you like you can see the whole like ribbon yeah ribbon of course shot. that goes through it, this it, forested like bowl section? it does have a section by the water yeah, it's not really a it's beach. around a pond. Yeah, it's not really a beach section, but there is one where they're like running along a path along by by the. It is I like a pond. I think I remember because it's super steep. The bowl, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, it's no. quite shallow. Actually, it's swoopy. It's just kind of swoopy. Okay, then I don't um, know this race. Yeah, uh, great course, really fun course. The the one interesting feature for me, which I haven't noticed before was the uh barriers the tire barriers the tire barriers which were really cool yeah they have it's two sets it's a sort of little it was uphill. double uphill double uphill bumps and they have these tires embedded uh in the in the dirt but tightly packed together tightly packed together yeah so it's like basically it's like a pack of lifesavers right yeah kind of like two okay pa- so there are two packs hot- of lifesavers buried in the dirt i was thinking there would be the other way no because so they're pretty thick then it's a it's a it's a longer jump but it's a rolly and i was just thinking that would be a great way to practice hopping barriers is having a rolly surface like that huh. yeah it would be uh, that would be really fun we it? should get there a lot we a lot get, of tires yeah. at the cross practice course. Get some tires, cut them in half, maybe stack them on and the... Dig them and well, put them... Yeah. No, let's dig put them, them down. Have you yeah. tried cutting through a steel-belted yeah, radial? True, true. <laughs> But interestingly, uh, Wout, well, at idea. one point toward the end of the race, um, got his... Uh, yeah. Got his uh, rear tire, stuck rear between. wheel stuck between two two car tires yeah. on that thing. He was a little bit shakier again on those, and then he really got... Yeah, I think it was on wow, that last so lap. interesting. He got his tire embedded I between... really want to bury some tires at the People's yeah. Cross Course to practice bunny hopping. Yeah. I, I do too. Great idea. Because sure. other... You could... It, it, right, you could... You only need a couple of them to just like to do the practice over, right? Hmm. There are plenty of tires out there. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So... Um, I did watch this race, watched both of them, yep. uh, the men's race and the women's race. Uh, don't want to get into to, to a bunch. This was a more typical uh, Vanderpoel sort of riding away uh, off the off the front of the race. Yeah. Uh, Wout looked tired uh, to me. He just didn't look like he, he had it. He, he rode with the chase group for a little while. Um, he he finally sort of decided to, to set out and uh, and and make a go at trying to uh, to catch MVDP but by the time he set out to try to do it uh he just but could never could never get close enough yeah uh made a few mistakes similar to to what I just described just you know various places had his wheel slipped out from underneath him and um he just didn't have a, a any sort of a perfect race uh, MVDP just looked like he yeah, you know, was just comfortable the whole time and rode away. The big surprise in this one was uh, 
uh, Van Tornout, who rode to a very strong third place finish. Um, and when he Michael Van Tornout, Michael Van Tornout, you know, not yeah, confusing not with any of the seven or eight other Van Tornouts. Yeah. Well, because Klaus had a pretty good result at Zevin, didn't he? Anyway, go ahead. Mm. So Van Turnout uh, rode with Wout for a good bit of the race uh, and, and until, again, as I described, uh, Wout uh, did his best to try to take off in in search of MVDP and in the process uh, gapped Van Turnout, but but not by a lot. And, and Van Turnout did make a couple little mistakes that let Wout um, widen the gap. And when Van Turnout came across the line... For a moment, he looked like he was, you know, sort of fist pumping, like psyched for third place. But then he started banging on his bars as if maybe he was pissed that he didn't do better. Oh, I thought he was pleased with getting a podium. I thought he was pleased with getting a podium as well. But I, but then I thought, well, maybe I'm misreading it. And maybe, you know, like any bike racer, he's mad that he, you know, didn't do better to try to stay with Wout and, and get second. But, but it was a great result for him. He has not had a lot of podium finishes uh and this i don't know, maybe it was his first uh in might have been his first of the year dave yeah. Ave or or world cup but anyway um i just thought i'd mention that the other notable thing about the men's race was there was this wacky uh pile up right toward the end of the race with the the chase group that would have included basically fourth through eighth or ninth place they were all right together mm. and i think it was tom Mewson or I, I don't remember who it was that uh, crashed turning into the pits on the on the final lap and and it caused the group to accordion together to the to the extent that they like seven six or seven guys all ended up coming into the pits at precisely the same time and it was <laughs> yeah. this mad scramble yeah. for bike swaps uh, and then to get position, it was like a NASCAR pit stop uh, on the last lap of the race, and it did shake up the eventual finishing order. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. Yep. It's not you, you don't usually see that kind of action in the pits in a in a cross race. Usually, it's guys coming in on their own to get a bike swap, or maybe you know two guys in there, but they're not that close to each other. These guys were all on top of each other, and as we've alluded to in previous episodes of the podcast. The pits are divided by country, right? So these guys were predominantly Belgians. So their their pits are all right by each other too. Right. So they're all trying to get get bikes swapped within feet of each other. Uh, so kudos to the to the mechanics and the riders for even making that happen. Yeah, yeah. They're like always at this. Usually, I guess it's like pit one or pit two, or that. But they right near the right near. They're the at start. one end of the pit, and the Dutch are always at the other end of That's the pit. That's right. Yes, this is what I've told you guys. Yeah, that's thanks for that, Bo. But I, I, I got that from from uh, Scott uh, Diedenbach. So women's race. Yeah. So was, the women's was race. The real so save the yeah. best for last here. Yeah. This is, so this is what I saw the internet. I could not watch this race, but I saw the internet was blowing up about this. Mm-hmm. So tell us. Tell yeah, me. And, I, and so I started talking about this race earlier, thinking that this was the the World Cup race, but it, it indeed was not. Yes, yeah, so um, Ellen Noble and, and Katie Compton um, were were sort of riding on the front of this race for for a good while um, as a as a as a duo. Yeah, for uh, most of the race. From for most of the race, 
Uh, Sana Kant was never too far behind, but she was kind of yo-yoed off the back of them a bit. Yeah, kind of yo-yoed off the back of that group for a bit. I don't know if it was intentional. It's hard to really tell if she was just sort of saving it up. Um, But it, 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 it came down essentially to, to Sana sort of riding a spin lap on the last lap of the race, totally closing the gap, uh, and, and passing, um, passing both of them, you know, sort of positioning herself to pass them both right, right at the end of the race, uh, and, and, and out sprint, um, both of them for the win. Yeah, and it, I was surprised because I didn't really get to watch that last lap because I was like dri- I was driving the car, so I, all I could hear was just kind of the the commentary and in Belgian, yeah, in, in Flemish, yeah, yeah, in Flemish, you know. And which my, you, I mean, my Flemish you, is a little rusty, yeah, a little rusty. But uh, you know, I mean, you could hear the names. All you, and hear, everything. All you can hear is clam bitch. <laughs> was what clam bitch? That means a little bit, or yeah, I think it means a little bit. Uh, Next time you watch Cross Race, listen, you'll hear Clam Bitch a lot. Okay. All right. Uh, but so, I mean, it really looked like it It looked to me like Kant was kind of suffering and it was, uh, you know, Noble and Compton. It looked like it was going to be a battle between the two of them. And next thing I knew, Kant just had like an eight second gap over both of them. And I don't know, like it felt like. To me, I had no idea how that had happened so quickly that she was she was um, that far ahead of them. Uh, but uh, they, you know, that was a great race by Ellen Noble and uh, out sprinting Compton for the second place. Man, I gotta watch this race. I, I didn't didn't see it, and uh, it sounds really awesome. I have not been able to, to find a full replay of it, unfortunately. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a bummer. Well, I gotta share with me when you do. Mm. Um, wait, what were you watching it? I had it on, on the Trek uh, De Veve link. Oh, that's, that's only, right. I forgot that was... You can't get a replay from that. Yeah. Well, last week, the De Veve stuff, the replay was on Flow Bikes. That's right. They did have a full replay on Flow Bikes, which may have been an error on their behalf yeah, somehow. I don't know. I feel like because they... Cause they <laughs> I think they may have, somebody may have screwed up there. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, well, well, maybe it is on Flow Bikes. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch that. Uh, Emily gets back tomorrow, and maybe we can uh, sit down and watch a little little Flandrian cross. And that, in, in contrast to the day before, which was what 51 minutes for the winner, this was probably like 38, something like that, right? Yeah, very the, the, fast. Yeah. Um, and the men's race was the men's race was under an hour as well. Yeah. So it it was definitely. Um, yeah, I think I mean there is a the, the World Cup races are longer. Uh, the men's, I think it's an it's an hour plus a lap or something like that, and then an the hour women. Minimum. Yes, and then the women's are forty to fifty, um, no less than forty. But then I think you have these. This is a, was it a C two or a C one? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Right. Um, that there does appear to be a replay on Flow Bikes. Woo! All right. For free. For free, as best right. I can tell. Well, that's All what right. I'll be doing when I get home. Okay. Well, yeah. speaking of cross, as we have, yeah, let's come back to the states, yeah. the dirty south. Let's come to, all the way back to Louisiana and Mississippi. What do you to say, the guys? Delta States region, yeah. Lambra, everybody, our local listeners. We're gonna start talking about you now. 
Um, so, so we'll go back. Uh, no racing this weekend. We've talked no. about that. We took Thanksgiving off, but this is last weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving. We had a double header. Um, double header. We had the Ris- the Ridgeland uh, Mississippi Cyclocross Project uh, race that uh, our buddy Rolando Roman put on, and uh, that was a great course, different from the uh, the uh, Tri County Mountain Bike Trail venue. This was in yep. a in a flat-ish for the most part uh park it was a grass crit type cyclocross race mm-hmm. um certainly favored my skill set uh flat not a lot of climbing a um, lot of uh, sort of twisty technical corners but wide open corners that you could ride fast not too much super super slow slow stuff yeah uh Although there was a good mix of uh, some sort of loose, sandy technical corners, uh, yeah, there was definitely portions a good of the course technical sandy section with some really tricky corners that made you kind of decide what line you were going to take through them, yeah, that kind of thing. A lot of great infrastructure. I mean, just the 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 you know, in terms of the production value, production was, value was, was really very high. high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Rolando brought basically brought Texas cyclocross to louisiana with him literally brought it in a trailer i mean yeah. he has a he has a production trailer um that that uh, he he really does it up i mean he's got the he's say got how the many stakes they put the, out uh, he said 1200 some odd stakes on that course yeah 1200 yeah yeah how many did we buy stakes. we bought 800 and we've probably lost about a hundred yeah over the last two seasons that's right interesting well was the course an official length. Uh, Sometimes our local it races was, are Rolando a little short. Rolando said it was uh, um, 1.75 miles. I don't think it was that long, judging from my uh, Strava uh, data. I think it was closer to about 1.25 miles. Yeah, which is right. still about a better, mile and a quarter. Yeah, and it was fast. So I mean, it was we were turning about six, six, six and a half minute laps. Yeah, um, but it was a fast course, so it was you know. Um, look, I I was not there. I was working, but I did watch a live stream mm. of the U10 race. Oh yeah, uh, Wes McCorder, uh obviously promotes Delta States, which was the next day. He li- Facebook Live the U10 race, and that was really cool to see. I got to admit that got me excited. Yeah, I was were... I was working, but it got me excited to come see you guys the next day. It also got me excited to throw a cross race and to somehow get those kids who are racing in these the MS, you know, the cyclocross project to maybe like maybe they'll come to our race. Like I I, I want to put on a U10 race or whatever. I know sure. that that Rolando has sort of brought this Texas style, which means he brought a lot of categories that we don't have over here in Lambra. And I think that, you know, some of the fields were pretty small, but it was awesome to see. And I think the whole reason behind his project is for to bring kids into cycling. And then that was full and that was was great. Yeah, well, it's interesting, actually, that you mentioned that, Bodie, because I actually sat down after the race and talked with Rolando about growing cyclocross and about some of the stuff that you're talking about and it's a little bit more than that because his whole idea is you you start with the kids and you grow the kids and that also helps not just to bring future racers in vis-a-vis a a kid who becomes a teenager who becomes 
a 20-year-old who becomes a mature cyclocross racer, but a 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid who starts racing cyclocross, and then their 35, 40, 45-year-old parents yeah. may get interested in it. Right. Um, I've got That's about a four, great. four or five-minute interview with him. You guys want to take a quick listen to that? Sure. See what he had to say? Let's sure. do it. Let's yeah. do it. Okay, so thanks, guys. Uh, this is Townsend. I'm out here in beautiful, still beautiful, Ridgeland, uh, Mississippi today. It's supposed to rain a little bit this afternoon, but uh, the weather's held up real nice for this race. And I'm here with Rolando Roman, who is the prime mover of this whole thing. Rolando, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks. Tell us about the Mississippi Kids Cyclocross Project and the Cyclocross Festival that we're having here today and the race that you're putting on. And I'm just going to turn it over to you for a second uh, and let you let you talk a bit about that and then I'm sure we'll have some questions. What's going on here? Fantastic. So this was just an idea that started back in 2013 in Austin, Texas. I was part of the committee who brought the Nationals to Austin in 2015 and the intent was to get as many kids as possible to compete in a national champion in our backyard. So that grew to the extent that we had at this point we have seven locations in Texas um, aftercare program partnership with the Boys and Girls Club. Um, it's a non-for-profit. The Texas Cyclocross Profit is an Texas Cyclocross Project is a non-for-profit now. Um, so life brought us back to Mississippi. My wife is from Mississippi. Um, we we moved here in July, and um, I needed to start the program here. And I I want to be part of the community. I want to change the, my be, the behavior of people to become more active. And the best way to start is with kids. Yeah, that's great. And there were a ton of kids out here today. Uh, and I understand that uh, you've also teamed up with uh, a couple of our buddies in New Orleans to also start a pilot project uh, in New Orleans as well. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. So the, 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 this race happens to be week nine of our eight-week program. This was the graduation of the program. We, met, we partnered with some folks in, in New Orleans, and we started the project um, the, same, the same week. So this for the Mississippi kids and for the New Orleans kids was their graduation. So you're starting, you know, sort of building cross from the ground up, starting with the kids, but you and I were talking earlier, and you think that this may also have a positive effect growing cross with adults as well, and just in general, growing the sport. How do you see that working? That's correct. So the, the plan is, uh, the way I see it is that you have people who are involved in cycling, and that's they're going to find their mode or their 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 discipline that they have a preference to. So my intent is to tap into those that, at this point, they didn't know they wanted to be part of cyclocross. Tapping into kids, transferring that into the parent. The parent becomes a cyclocross racer, becomes part of the community, and start from the ground up. Reaching out to people that. At this point, they didn't even think they wanted to be part of it and grow it in, in an organic way with new people. And then potentially we can take those folks who are in mountain biking and cycling, road racing, and bring them back to cyclocross. Yeah, so, you know, we've been trying to do cross here for the last five years somewhat successfully. And one of the, you know, we sort of tapped into the existing cycling community. But I think one of the things that we've noticed now five years in um, is that you sort of plateau with that and you and you reach a bit of a limit trying to reach out to existing cyclists. And, and I guess you and I were sort of talking because of the, 
beautiful weather down here in the south, you know, you can race road bikes and mountain bikes pretty much year-round. And, and, you know, with the existing ridership, sometimes there's just not room to grow cyclocross within that. So I think that's sort of what you're getting at. Is that right? That's correct. And I really believe that, you know, the governing body within the region, in our case now, Lambra, I'm an affiliated with Lambra. Our team, Cyclocross Mississippi Cyclocross Project, is part of Lambra. So I believe that uh, within the governing body, things can be done to help that transition, perhaps have an end period of all road races that are certified under Lambra so that there's an ending point so that they can transition into cross and easily transition into mountain bike. There's an opportunity to work, but we all need to work together to make that happen. Well, hey man, Lambra is super glad to have you here in Ridgeland. Fate brought you here, and uh, this has been a great event, and we're really excited that you're a part of the cycling community here now, and if today is any indication, I think good things are to come with your partnership with the local cycling association, and uh, and I hope you do bring those uh, thoughts to the, to the Lambra annual meeting this fall, and uh, let's make good things happen. Fantastic. I am. It's 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 my pleasure to be here. I'm again, as I stated, it's my community. I need to be part of it. I could do whatever I can to to continue um, growing the sport. I believe that um, selfishly, I believe cyclocross is a great way to introduce cycling to kids because the new parent not involved in the sport there's no isolation they can always see their kids and it welcomes them in a way that they can feel um, not they don't feel the concern of letting the kids ride on the road or mountain bike and being isolated not knowing if the kid is getting hurt this yeah. is a great way it's a it's a safer a safer situation for the kids and also the parents get to watch their kids race and see them come by every lap and you know you could see that out here today there were parents out here with uh you know with their phones out taking photographs of their kids and they see them coming by every 45 seconds on that sort of abbreviated lap that you had the kids doing and and that means a lot i think oh i i agree i i think we we created experiences today and we've we've uh the kid is going to remember this the kid is going to talk about this that medal that they received they might take it to school as a show and tell and to showcase that they earned it so the the uh, the intent is to to change the life and the behavior of the kid and adults to become better people and i think cycling can do that well that was a great interview townsend thank you for recording that um really awesome to hear rolando's uh viewpoints i know this is something i've thought a lot about and i think the idea that you have to reach outside of the cycling community is kind of like a like a no duh thought but like i'd never thought about that so i'm really glad it's cool to have a new viewpoint in Lambra, and I'm excited to try and reach out. I mean, you know, we had talked about um, reaching out to CrossFitters because Cyclocross was part of the CrossFit Games. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is a perfect example of what he's talking about, of reaching out to, and in this case, other athletic people yeah. who, who might not know that they really love cycling. Well, um, I, I, I would also say on that, on that note, triathletes you know who are yeah. people who are good at running and good at riding bikes you know so it's i think there's a you know there's there's possibilities there too it's it's something i think cross is something that can cross over into you know into other other groups i think one great thing that's happened this year in new orleans uh the boss cross event Exa- yeah totally. put on by uh the ladies of Boss Cross, um, some of our teammates and uh, people and friends of ours, you know, and I think we've seen more women 
racing cross this year. I think that's a that's a real that's one upside that we've had uh, as well. Yeah, we t- I've talked about that with Emily and 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 how that happened and and how I just you know we've it's been cool to see our, our new teammates go to Houston and race like on their own and like on their own accord like they wanted to do it because they like cross so much not because a group of people were going and they tagged along it was like oh yeah we want to go we love this so much we discovered it yeah and it was interesting that Emily is like well I think last year I got <laughs> Elise in the cross I got one person in the cross and then Elise turned around and got like 10 people in the cross yeah so, it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> or let's say it's contagious, Matt. It's contagious. It's, contagious. it's like a virus. Uh, um, um, well, and yeah, to, to Rolando's point, um, there is no way that you would ever put 25 kids between the ages of 5 and 12 uh, out on a road course, on no. a public road, in a road race. Cyclocross is really the only viable cycling sport for kids that young uh, or or I should say it is an exceptionally viable sport for kids that age uh, and for all of the reasons that we talked about in that interview I mean Matt you know this as a parent yeah. whose, whose daughter was racing in that That's race right. yeah and she had a blast uh, she had a great time and 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 me as a as a parent of a of a, a, a young lady who has raced two full seasons of of cyclocross um I feel safe letting them race cyclocross. I enjoy watching them in a way that I wouldn't be able to enjoy watching them in a road race. And it's just a great sport for kids and parents to participate in together. Absolutely. Yep. I totally agree on that. So great race in Ridgeland. Um, we don't have to get into the ins and outs of, of who won and what happened, but suffice to say uh, that I landed on two podiums. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kudos to you, Townsend. Kudos to you. You obviously yeah. won your this best, podcast. Your best day of racing ever. <laughs> two podiums. Absolutely my best day of racing ever. Two podiums, ever. and you got that killer yep. interview. Yep. Yeah, and you watched you watched Flandering Cross. I think you're leading the competition for this podcast right yeah. now. Thanks, yeah, thanks, guys. Um, so let's go to the following day. Yep. We went to Hattiesburg for Delta States Grand Prix and yep. new venue put together um, by Butch. And I believe, I don't know, the, uh, another gentleman that lives in that area um, helped him out. And uh, had, it was a, a, gra- a great day of racing. I thought so. Yeah. It was, um, it, I would say it was a very interesting course. Uh, it had some single track mountain bike stuff basically was was a typical sort of cross race that's in a big field that's surrounded by mountain bike trails and half the race was in the field and the other half of the race was on the mountain bike trails uh, some of which was sort of technical and single tracky some of which was kind of wide open and sandy mm. um, so as a racer it had a little bit of everything um, actually had some very fun sand it was all rideable uh, if you kept your momentum, yeah. um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the single track stuff. I don't have those kinds of mountain bike skills. It was, uh, was definitely sort of a mountain bike course. I got beat in my race by a guy on a mountain bike. So I'm a little bit sore about that. <laughs> he and I were pretty racy for most of the race, but that he just, uh, he would zoom past he, you in the sand. He would zoom past me in the sand. He mm. just, he, he, he uh, yeah. r- really wore me down chasing him back out of that sand. Cause I'd have to, he'd gap me coming through the sand and then I'd have to bury myself to get back on his wheel. And, um, 
and then he finally just realized about two-thirds of the way through the race that it was time for him to just put more power down than I had left to give and, and just ride away from me. So yes. anyway. Sand will definitely do that. I definitely noticed that yesterday uh, as I was the only guy on a mountain bike with uh, three people on cross bikes. Uh, that was makes, pretty funny. It makes a big difference. It really does. Um, and yeah, I, I talked to Butch a little bit about that course and he, he was definitely open to the feedback and he, he said that he wanted to do more in that grassy area, but he said that it was just super bumpy and mm. like it was very bumpy so it it you know i could see in the future maybe i mean because the thing i did i walked the course because i was taking photos and the single track looked pretty fun like you said if some parts wide the only the only issue is that you just don't get to see the riders as much it makes it harder for the the people um to view and it, it's nice that's, that's the nice thing about cross and and we just spoke about earlier is that you can see the riders like most of the time in the race right. um so i think but I think that's a that's a, a really good start. I think they could even maybe incorporate some of the parking lot area. I was just gonna say that I, I I think if you went across that gravel road and incorporated some of where we were parking, maybe park the cars in some of the bumpy stuff on the infield. Yeah, and, and figure and out a way to use put, more yeah. of the other side of the road. Um, uh, and it, it was a little bit uh, of a hill there too that you could sort of. Bring yeah, and it in. looked like you could you could and and you could still kind of go back where they sort of went out and then came back through the sand you could include that and you could do some of the single track where there was seemed to be a bunch of cut throughs maybe that you could sort of you know have a little bit of single track but then bring more back and there was a little gravel section so i think i see a lot of potential there i feel like that's probably going to be a, a a permanent uh stop in uh the delta states in the future i think so um, i hope so good racing i mean i don't even know i didn't even pull up results but we had we had a we had a uh, we had a new person on the top of the podium in the one two threes, uh, Joe Dabbs out of Alabama out of Birmingham. Yeah, kind Joe of, was he also in, won the day before. Yeah, he was in Ridgeland as well. And yeah. pretty fast guy. Yeah, super fast, super fast. Yeah. Um, so and then I think uh, John Kripe got second, and uh, Coppersmith had another DNF. Is yeah, that right? I hmm. think so. Interesting. Uh, Bodie, you were. As you've alluded to, you were there with your camera. I've seen a few of the teaser shots that you've posted, and they look great. Looking forward to you dropping a full batch of uh, Yeah, You Ride photos on the site at some point. Yeah, they're actually all edited. I edited them all on Saturday. I just haven't uh, had a chance to uh, put them up somewhere. So I'll hopefully get that done tomorrow. We'll use some photos from that race as our thumbnails for this podcast link. Mm, sounds great. Sounds good. So we're going back to Ridgeland uh, this coming up weekend for uh, DSGP this time. That'll be a two-day event mm. at the Tri-City Mountain Bike Trails uh, where the race has been for the last three or four years. Uh, one of my favorite venues yep. for cyclocross it's great, uh, great. In, the, in the area. Those guys uh, just do a great job uh, putting the race on, and uh, it's a tough course. It's not exactly my kind of course. There's a lot of kind of punchy climbing and uh, some technical uh, single track sort of stuff, but in spite of the fact that I usually get my butt whooped uh, up there, I always have a great time, and it's a great place to come watch a great place to come hang out with the kids so if you guys are listening to this and you're on the fence about whether or not to go 
uh, I would say pull the trigger and get yourself up there. Yeah, Definitely. I highly, highly recommend it. It's great a bonfire in the middle of the of yeah. the course every year. Great, uh, great group of people uh, that that have that maintain those trails and uh, and put that on up there. That done an amazing job with that location. All right, I'm I'm hoping to be there. I might pull an audible and try and make my way to Ruts and Guts. Take some more photos. It's a it's the last C one I believe in the states. Um, so that's this. Where's that? That's in. It's actually in. It, technically, it's in Broken Arrow, which is uh, Tulsa. Okay. I've got to juggle a few things, and I won't find out until tomorrow. But I'm either going to be uh, at Ridgeland uh, taking photos of y'all and uh, helping out Emily, or I'll be uh, at Ruts and Guts taking photos of pros. Well, I sadly will not be there, but uh, I, uh, here. I wish I were going to be there. Um, well, guys, right. what we have a few more things on the agenda. Um, yeah, I think. What's next, guys? Are we? Uh, well, I mean, you 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 created an intro audio bit, so I feel like we gotta we gotta we gotta go with this. Yeah. So let's drop that trash or panache. Who tried to match the panache of the guru? Trash. It's tight when it comes to panache. I can't be beat. Hot stuff, man. All right. So what? What's up first? Um, mm. Well, we've got two new kits. Yeah. This week we actually have three. We have not. Trash or panache the uh, Nepo Vini Fantini kit <laughs> trash that, that came out. I think I think we're I think we're all trash. On that, that one was just predisposed to it's, be. It's guaranteed trash. Yeah, it, yeah, that came up through the bottom of the trash can and never made its way out the top to see the light of day before it just stayed there. And you can never come at. You can wow. never be you can never be panache with that many freaking logos. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's. You can't have that many sponsors. And still look good. Yeah, I mean, I have to give it. I have to give it trash. Yeah. Um, if the if the choice is trash or panache, um, we need to grab a photo of this and pop it up on the on, on, in the show notes. But yeah, uh, I will say this: for a logoed out classic, you know, old school second tier Italian team cycling jersey, mm. it's not bad. No, as in, 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 you know, as the as the genre goes. Although it's okay. S- although I would say, from like I don't know what next year's is going to be like, but I think this year's uh, Villiers Triestina kit was actually pretty cool and allegedly designed by Pipo himself. So that's that. There is no more panache than that, is there? Right. I mean, you know, it probably says on it somewhere, "Designed by Pipo." So, oh, wow, <laughs> Bodie just all right, Bodie. I don't yeah. know what. What is there's, this? The intro to the yeah, to the jersey? Their, their website. <laughs> their website has music. I think their website still has last year's jersey on. Yeah, it. the orange. It's orange. No, this this jersey is predominantly dark blue. It's dark blue with little white polka dots on it. Yeah, like sort of textured textured dots. So uh, it's 2018 kit. Yeah. All right. Anyway. While you're pulling that up, and uh, maybe we'll just post it after, I don't know. 
This yeah. kind of looks like the Urban South kid. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking what? about. Um, okay, yeah, that's pretty trash. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always but, trash. But, but again, Bodie, you'll give me this as the as the as the the cheap multi multi logoed kind of you know second rate looking jerseys go. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks like a a poster at a dollar store for all the things that are for sale. I don't know. I guess, <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's pretty much what their kit is. All hot, things are for sale. Yeah, hot garbage yeah. <laughs> Every inch of that jersey is for sale. Yeah, you could stock your entire house with nothing but the things Stuff that from are that, jersey? that jersey. Yeah, this and want, feed your family. Well, I, I mean, you could. What drink, is Nepo? Uh, it's Japanese. There's some kind of oh, what are they? There's some sort of Japanese industrial company. Yeah, probably. I feel like they make steel. Yeah, probably. I can't with my <laughs> Well, you could build your house out of steel. Yeah. Uh, and then when you're done building it, you could drink some Vini Fantini. Yeah. All right. Sounds like good wine. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm sure next it is. one, next one on the on the blocks would be maybe the new Sudal kit. Yeah, Lotu Sudal. Uh, Panache. Really? Yeah. Classic. Well, like this, and this goes with my argument last week, which I called something trash, but this week I'll sort of call it panache. It's a look that is not offensive. It's not very risky. Um, it's gonna, it's timeless. So this this week I'm calling that decision making process panache. Okay. I like it too. It's a throwback to the Matt. You'll have to remind me the uh, the vintage uh, vintage jersey. It's not a vintage Sudal jersey. No, uh, it's the uh, Fama yeah, kit, the, right? Right. The the vintage '60s uh, Fama uh, kit. It's got the sort of uh, swooping red top uh, with the white middle. But uh, but you know what I've noticed about it, which I didn't notice before, is it kind of has instead of being a straight. Uh, inverted chevron or whatever shape you want it's to call curved. it. It's curved. It's curved. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the, so is Wait. the Fama jersey. Is it? Yes. I it's not the Fama a straight, straight line. No, it's not a straight no. V. It's a swooping yes. V. We might have to get a ruling yeah, on that. I can't tell in this photo. I pulled it up. There's a comparison. Mm. It is kind of swooping. But in this one photo of the, the back. The there back, exactly. It has this Krylon. Um, Circles, the uh, yeah. spray paint circles. What's going on there? <laughs> I what like the, it. What is that about? They always do something weird on the back of the Lotto jerseys. Last year, it's like it was. It looked like a misprint. It looked like the stripe is like broken in the middle on the back of last year's jersey. Yeah, I'm seeing that now. I had never seen the back of this jersey, and boy, the privacy panel on the bibs is giant. It's a giant <laughs> Sudal billboard. Well, that I approve of because Wait, I love Sudal's products. Why is and... this photo shoot? Are they? Is this one dude cutting the woman's hair? What? Oh, so weird. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm seeing that too. That's really bizarre. That's Puck Moonen of Instagram fame. Uh, the girlfriend of Ellie Iserbit of U23. Wait, who's uh, Puck Moonen? She, oh, she's she, a Lotto Sudal rider. She's a Lotto Sudal rider now, but she's more famous for being sort of an Insta babe uh, that, that blurs the line between sport and sex on Instagram. <laughs> But you've read articles on her. She was featured in the article from the from, about the the guy that that was calling issue to all of these cycling cycling babe Instagram accounts. 
She's, Wait, she's the original. But she is on a team, so she's actually she's, she's an a athlete. legit pro. Yeah, okay, no, yeah. she is an athlete for sure. Okay. Uh, but well, if I have you, no problem with her and the kid. Then I thought I thought you were saying she was just like some. No, no, no. She rides for Lotto Sudal. She's oh, a great. she she is a legit she is a legit. Wait, cyclist. who's the guy? Uh, uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Mays. Oh, who's Nicholas got Mays. Belgian Mays. stripes. Uh, track yeah. racer, I think. I think he has it. Think he's a track champ. Maybe not. Wait, she has Belgian stripes too. Those are on the what? Now that's weird, isn't it? Because that implies oh, that they're like national champs, but they're yeah, not but national no, champs. Yeah, but no, that's just uh, that's, that's just to say we're Belgian. They're lateral stripes, Ugh. not horizontal right. stripes. Okay, this the is going way stripes. down. And you know Trash. what else? I'm, you know what else I'm saying? Way. The white piping, the white, the white stitching on the red. Yep, trash. Nope. Sorry, change my vote. Yeah, trash. I'm trashing it. I'm changing my vote to trash based on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I the like back, the back. The, what? The back is terrible. The back is absolutely terrible. <laughs> That's totally a cry. No, it's just on. like somebody. Somebody said, you know what? There's, there's like not enough stuff back here. What are we gonna do? Well, that's a. We're just gonna throw some a, circles on. They here. make spray paint, right? Krylon is a spray paint company, but yeah. they're not one of their sponsors. Oh, they aren't. I don't see a Krylon logo on there. All I see is the dots, unless cry. That's what their logo is these days. Yeah. Um, okay, well, all right. let's let's move on. Yeah, we trashed. I think we've all trashed this kit. We're trashing it, trashing it. All right, uh, and guys, I don't know. We may be three for three today because the last kit, um, which Matt and I have already talked about, so I think I know about his vote. Uh, the the last kit is the the new Sky kit. Well, I guess we kind of saw this coming, didn't we, from the Tour de France? We did, and. Uh, so yeah. it is a white jersey, yeah, with a broad light blue panel, yes, in the middle horizontal panel, horizontal with the, panel with sky, with sky in written white. in white. The yep. most interesting and striking feature of this jersey, however, is not on the front; it's also on the back, mm. where there is a rather large name plate for each of the riders on the back of the jersey. Now they did this in the Tour de France one. I did not see that. I think they I already did. It. They already did this. And remember, this, uh, the cycling jerseys podcast had been talking about like, why don't we have rider names on their jerseys? And then Sky did it for the Tour de France, and that was, you know, they were. Um, were they as big as they are on the new version of the kit? I think so, but may, maybe because it's not. awfully large. I no, mean, it's, I'm thinking it's small. I don't think. Yeah, well, I it's, think it's small. It's, it's not small like a soccer, for a football jersey. Yeah, it's small. For but a it's not small. It's not small for a, a cycling jersey. I mean, it, it it appears to be written in such a way that it's meant to be red. I don't know. To me, it just it. Look, honestly, if you were going to do it, I'd say go ahead and blow it up and make it make it look like a make it look like a football kit. Yeah, I I have no issue with that. I don't. Yeah, I don't. But mind to split the, the difference uh, and have it small like that. Eh. I mean, what's next? A Make it even better and give, like you were saying, uh, each race that they're in, put their actual number in, of the race on there. Well, that's this has been this has been mentioned uh, is that riders should have permanent numbers over the season. Right, helps fans. They did that in Formula One recently. Um, recognize um, the their well, favorite. Well, they have that riders. on their cars anyway. But that's a, that's in, that's in the la- that's within the last four or five years. It used to be that you got numbers assigned to you based on your team's previous position the year before. So then the, oh, the number one it's not const- based on that anymore. Now it's just that, a permanent number. Now it's just a permanent number. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Like NASCAR. That's right. 
Oh, so um, they're like, it says Dale Earnhardt Jr., number three. whatever. Yeah, so you could, so now you can market, you know. Your number. Yeah, Chris right. Froome. So, yeah, so you're number you 007. Be, okay, I, why not? I think they'll probably end up going that way. If they're smart enough. You know you know that Velon wants to do that, but the UCI are going to be all like, it's going to take them 30 years to, to, to get there. Yeah, I could see uh, permanent numbers uh Per season, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's with weird. No, but, that, but then it's like it's the number, it's the writer, it's the person, the character, the personality, right? Right. I mean, I think it has to be so it's all world tour races. If you went to well, two a, things, it'd have to be a three-digit number. Yep. Oh, that's true. Because of the number of UCI teams and riders, if each team has twenty-five yeah. riders on it, yeah, uh, and you've got, you know, yeah. almost twenty pro tour teams, that's you know four hundred odd riders. Yeah, how many guys are in Formula One? Like forty odd? Not even. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but back to the back to the merits of the jersey. Mm. Um, or demerits. Yeah. So <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm voting trash on this one mainly because I think they've got the colorway wrong. I yep. think if they'd reverse the colorway, this could potentially be a panache jersey, a light blue jersey no. with white. That blue is not a good blue. It, it 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 was cool in the 2000s maybe late 90s it's it's not it's it hasn't like came back around as cool again um yeah i think it's i don't i think all blue with white would be would would be worse you think that'd I, be worse yeah I, but I'm, i i just i think that this jersey if rafa was still making their jerseys for them it would look way better than it looks right now I think Castelli don't know what the, they don't know what the hell they're doing because they're basically taking the ad, that's the Adidas jersey from yeah. Sky's first year on the front with the blue panel in the middle and then it's Sky's it, it's uh, Rafa and then it's Rafa's jersey on the back and it's just like bits and pieces and then those stupid horizontal stripe things the that da- they added the data everywhere stripes stupid that represents too much going on way too much going on and i think they just like they're over egging the pudding yeah and also if i was a sponsor of this team any any sponsor other than sky i'd be pissed you get like some tiny shitty little logo in the middle of this back vertical stripe yeah i mean i think i think the the vertical stripe is kind of like that that's been that recognized sky thing right that they've had since the beginning and the, the the problem with it for me is that okay a you put the you 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 break that stripe apart by putting the name across it and then you add all this other crap on top it's like you don't really need it they need to just they need to people are afraid to be simple they're like well we got to do something more than last year so we're going to add this and then we're going to add this back in the day Costelli used to make the coolest stuff ever that was super plain super simple they were like, I remember like the first time I bought a, a nice cycling top. I bought a Castelli one and it was just black. And all it had was the awesome Scorpion logo. It was just black with the Scorpion logo. And that was a time where like most cycling kit was awful. And it was all like weird stripes and patterns and colors and stuff. Like people wanted to throw more stuff, but they were making like really simple, elegant stuff. And now that like, why are they doing this? This is rubbish. This is terrible. It is. It's terrible. Um, uh, it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, definitely trash in case my uh, that wasn't clear. I, I voted trash. Yeah, so three jerseys today, uh, uh, which means between the three of us, nine total chances for votes mm, yeah. between the three jerseys. All nine, trash this week. Trash, yeah. yeah. Wow. Haters. Haters going to hate. What? Yeah, I mean, I, maybe, our, maybe our standards are too high. Uh, no. I don't think so. No. I mean... You know that, like, the person who designed the Sky jersey, I mean, obviously, this probably is a pro what they do. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah. yeah. Pros but, pros make mistakes. Pros crash. Well, I guess it's, you know, jersey by commission, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's Not probably impressed. a lot of... Uh... <sighs> anyway, all Be- right, well. Best one of the three that we talked about today, though, was the Lotto Sudol. Best one of the three. Oh, no. They're all pretty dreadful. Actually, I'm going to go with Nippo Vini Fantini. <laughs> best trash yeah best tra- i mean like if you're going to be trash you might as well be really trash these guys the sky should know better you know um, anyway all right guys well uh we also ended our um uh, best review contest at thanksgiving we are i think going to take this next week to tally the votes and talk about that and we'll announce a winner of that contest on oh, i thought we next already, week's I thought podcast we just, i thought we had a winner. You have a winner? I think so. Okay. We have a winner? Yeah, I think I think the consensus over the reviews that we've got, I, I mean, do you want me to just say sure. it? Let's yeah, do it. Let's say it because I think, I think you speak for all of us. I think we're all yeah, in agreement I think, on this uh, one. I think yeah. we think that uh, Mr. Jeremy Brown, STCC, is the winner of the uh, tuxedo yeah. jersey for the best review of yeah. the Yeah You Write podcast. Excellent work, Jeremy. You've got a future in copywriting. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy, well, so uh, on Saturday, show up for the club ride naked because <laughs> I'll bring the jersey for you and you can wear it then. Or just you, topless. Yeah, yeah. say, wait. <laughs> <laughs> He oh, doesn't sorry. want to that ride. Just my own thing. Tops, no <laughs> bottoms. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeremy, congratulations. Good job. Uh, Nate, Nathaniel Wood, uh, close second very place. Very strong, very strong second there. Uh, Maybe we can have find a runners up prize somewhere in one of our closets. I'm sure we can. Yeah. Um, but, all, you know, listeners, please, uh, we need some more reviews. Uh, at least rate us on iTunes. Yeah. Um, subscribe. Like Tell and your subscribe. friends. Uh, this is how people can see our podcast. Is the more traffic it gets, the higher up it goes. Uh, yep. In the things we're we're buried pretty far down deep uh, on iTunes. I, I don't know that we'll ever <laughs> get onto any sort of front page, but right. Um, you we know. did. Uh, we did get another surprise uh, moment on Sunday, didn't we? Where. Uh, you know, somebody uh, yeah. told us they'd been listening to the podcast. And that was great. And enjoying it. We are such assholes that we didn't even get his name. We didn't get his name. So uh, apologies to the, to the mountain biker down the spillway trail. Who, Thank uh, you very much for listening. Yeah, thanks very much. I'll so that means it's more than just people that we know and whose names we know that are listening to this podcast. So yeah. that's actually a good yeah. thing, guys. It was almost one of those things where I thought, you know how you, you, know how, like, you ride bikes with somebody and then when you don't see them in their kit, you don't know what you like you don't recognize them sure it was like i think i recognize that face from across the parking lot it's just the mountain bike stuff that's throwing me off but then i rolled over <laughs> and then we started talking and i realized i didn't actually know who he was or maybe i don't know maybe i do i don't know you know it's hard glasses and helmet maybe i've anyway yeah thank you for listening it sir. was me maybe <laughs> it was you. um but i think we've uh that was a pretty good show, guys. Yeah, um, enjoyed it. I think we've uh, we've exhausted all of our uh, conversations. It it was an epic. 
I'll say that looking at the uh, the running time, but uh, all good stuff. You know, we were we missed a week, so it's it's a, it's a double header. Yeah, so we oh. should have like a special code word or something uh, for people who've got to the end here, and if they can like you know, they can tell us what that word is, then we'll you know uh, we can uh, give them a shout out. Code word: Jamarket across. <laughs> nice one. Well, with that. Um, down this, you want to yeah leave i'll it take off? us out hey hey this is the t-bone i'm signing off saying i'm bringing my b game to ridgeland this weekend Ooh. uh this is a cheerio saying uh i rode my mountain bike yesterday for the first time in uh, probably about 18 months and it was great really enjoyed it and this is the Bodie Bodie saying, I saw Matt Kite ride his mountain bike and he sent it off a dirt pile and it was sick. <laughs> M to the T to the B, baby. <laughs>